Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. This is is Resurrection Sunday, so I want to welcome you to our our Resurrection service. Now, i got to tell you, Resurrection Sunday, or Easter Sunday as we know it, it's my favorite holiday. It it really is. And I think part of the reason is it isn't as commercial as Christmas. I mean, I like Christmas. I like all of our holidays. I love it when the family gathers together. But this one just kind of sneaks up on us. We don't have special ornaments outside. There's not a lot of things going on at 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 the stores. There's not a lot of things to buy, not presents to buy for each other. It's really about the resurrection uh, of Jesus Christ. So this celebration we celebrate, the celebration of the Resurrection Sunday actually predates Christmas uh, by by centuries, by five or six hundred years. Goes all the way back to the second century, right after the apostles had, had left, and probably goes all the way back to that time too. Remember, the apostles would gather together, we see this in the book of Acts, on the first day of the week. And they started calling the first day of the week the the Lord's Day. We see that in John 20, Acts 20, and in Revelation chapter 1. It it commemorates the Lord's resurrection. So actually, Resurrection Sunday is every single Lord's Day. Every time we gather together on Sunday, it's it's the Lord's Day, Day, reminding us of of the resurrection. So my message for you today is a little bit different. We're going to talk about the resurrections. Now, we read... Thelma did a great job reading out of Matthew 28. That's the, one of the accounts of the resurrection. And you could say that there are actually four accounts of the resurrection. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But that's not what I'm going to be talking about. So you're going to have to hang on because we're going to be talking about what the resurrection means to, to us. You know, just last week, my, my wife and I uh, went to, uh, to a movie. We saw, we saw The Case for Heaven. And it was great. We went with David and Pat as well. And it was, it was a good documentary. Now, my favorite is actually The Case for Christ. But if you know Lee Strobel and know some of his books, he's a, uh, he was an atheist. And Lee Strobel started off at the Chicago Tribune. He had a law degree, but he was a reporter, an investigative reporter. And he was a, an atheist. He believed only in the, in the facts. Well, he and his wife were out to, to, uh, to lunch, and their little daughter started choking. And fortunately, there was a nurse that was there um, that, that saved the little girl's life. And the nurse was a Christian. And she said, there's no coincidences. God just told me to be here. And it was through that conversation that Leslie ended up going to church with her. And Leslie gave her heart to, to Jesus. Now, the thing was, is Leslie didn't demand proof. She knew in her heart that the gospel message was was true, that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died on the cross for her sins and the sin of the world. She believed that he he rose again on the first day of the week, uh, following Passover. He ascended into heaven. And she, like other believers, believed that in the resurrection of the dead and the life to come. See, Leslie didn't demand proof. She came to faith in Jesus by what the Bible has to say, like we have. It wasn't about proof. It was, not the, it was the substance of her faith. Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, there are things we can see and things that we can't see. But did you know that the Bible says that the things we can't see are actually more sure? Because the things that we can't see are actually eternal. 
The things we can see are temporal. They're, they'll go away. Not too long ago, I was, I was in the city. I was in Detroit, and I was visiting where we used to live, and the house is no longer there. The neighborhood's completely changed. The stores that we used to go to, they're all, they're all different. Things have changed because they were physical things, but they're subject to change. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is, is temporary, but what is unseen is, is eternal. Now, Leslie Strobel believed not because of the proof, but what was unseen. She gave her life to Christ because of the faith. The Bible says that, uh, that, uh, that salvation comes by grace through faith. And she believed in the living God who is, who is unseen, through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, her husband, Lee, was an atheist, and he was completely beside himself when Leslie came home and told him of her faith in Jesus Christ and started teaching her daughter how to, to pray and leaving notes around the house that Jesus loves you. He, he said he was not given to fantasy and superstition. So when his, life, his wife came home and told him these things, he decided that he was going to launch an all-out investigation into the facts surrounding the case for Christianity. Now, one of his colleagues at the Chicago Tribune was a Christian, and he would kind of, they'd have these conversations of two people that believed in two different things. And his colleague, who was a Christian, said, you know, you really, if you want to disprove Christianity, just disprove the resurrection. Because everything that we believe hangs on the resurrection. If there was no resurrection, no empty tomb, there's, there's no Christianity. So Lee Strobel decided he was going to do that. And this is what he said. He said, as a law-trained journalist at the Chicago Tribune, I also knew something else. Dead bodies stay dead. I have seen a lot of corpses during my career and as a reporter, and none of them ever regained life, especially after three days. So I figured it would be easy to disprove the resurrection and thus liberate my wife from her newfound faith in Christ. Give me a weekend, I told her, and I can shred Christianity's central claim. You know, but for those of us the, uh, as Christians and those of us that know the story of Lee Strobel, he was unable to. He found out a few things from his investigation, and quite frankly, it, it changed his mind. He came to the conclusion that perhaps everything that his wife believed in was true. So, for example, the first thing he found out was that many sources confirmed that Jesus was, in fact, crucified. There are many sources outside of what the Bible says that confirm that Jesus died on the Roman cross, that he died on the Roman cross just as the, the Bible says. Secondly, there was evidence that the tomb was empty on Resurrection Sunday. You know, the religious leaders tried to fabricate a, a claim that the disciples had come and stolen the body away. But, but they found out that even the people that didn't like Jesus, even the people that had sent him to the cross, that had collaborated with the Romans, even they had to agree that the, that the tomb was empty that, that first Easter morning. The third thing was that the eyewitness accounts confirm a resurrected Jesus. Lee Strobel found out that there were eyewitness accounts, not a few, but hundreds of eyewitness accounts outside of the Bible. And there were historical accounts that were recorded within a generation after Jesus had died. It wasn't hundreds of years later, as some people want to believe, but it was within that generation. People, were, people had encountered the resurrection, resurrected Jesus. So ultimately, Lee Strobel reached his verdict. He followed the evidence, and he had to conclude that the claims in the Bible of the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus were true. 
He gave his life to Christ and not only wrote the book, The Case for Christ, but also became a pastor and a teacher as well. So the question is this, is can we prove the resurrection? Well, Lee Strobel did a good job of it. He, he, he tried to prove what it was. He tried to prove it untrue, and he couldn't do that, so he came to the realization that what his wife believed was actually true. Now, the Bible says that we're saved through faith. Now, what does it mean to be saved? I mean, we talk about that. Maybe in some of your traditions, that wasn't something you talked about often as being saved or being born again. <laughs> to be saved means that we, we truly believe, that we've been born again by the Spirit of God. Our, our spirit has been quickened. And that's, again, through the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the more important question. What does the resurrection prove? We might not be able to prove the resurrection, but what does the resurrection prove? Well, in many ways, the resurrection proves our future. It proves everything that we believe, everything that we trust and, and hold on to. You know, earlier in our call to, to worship, Thelma read from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 28 about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that was one of four different accounts we could have picked on. I like that one. And Matthew does a nice job. But I could have picked any one of the Gospels. And you know, if he had gone through all four of those, and that was one of the things I was thinking about doing today, going through all four, but I'll just kind of summarize them. I mean, we'll find that they're a little bit different. There's a few facts that are just slightly different. So for example, in, uh, Matthew, in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of them Find, a, find an empty tomb, and all, find, all of them are in the morning, or very early in the morning, but they're different women. So, for example, Matthew states that it was Mary Magdalene, the other Mary, that came to the tomb. That was Matthew 28, that Thelma read. The Gospel of Mark adds Salome to the group and claims that they were very early in the morning. That's Mark 16. Luke agrees that it was very early in the morning and names Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other woman. Now, John wrote that it was Mary Magdalene that went to the tomb early while it was still dark. Now, here's the thing. This is what Lee Strobel found out. He found out that legal experts tell us that this is exactly what we would expect to hear from eyewitness accounts. That's exactly what they would hear. Uh, if um, legal experts tell us that no two witnesses ever agree completely on the details of a crime. If the, if the details of the four gospel accounts were identical, they would be suspect. They would be collaborated or possibly even false. District attorneys and, ju and judges dismiss eyewitness accounts when the small details are identical. They know that they've been fabricated or at best collaborated. Also, here's the thing, the fact that it was women is important. In the first century, women were typically not eligible to testify in court. Their testimony was not considered believable. However, the fact that the, all four Gospels use women as the first to arrive at the tomb actually strengthens the case for authenticity. If it was just made up, why not put men had found the tomb that was empty if it was just made up? But the fact that they use women strengthens the case for authenticity, and it does this one, one step further, which is takes women as a very important role in the church, which we have seen actually from the first century. So we see that there's four gospel accounts, but now I want to get into my message. And I call my message the resurrections. And I'll actually be using a different piece of scripture. Out of John chapter 5, these are the words of Jesus, and they're in red. Can't see them very well, but they're in red. But let me read to you John chapter 5, beginning in verse 24. Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life 
and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Again, the words of Jesus in red. So I selected this passage today on Resurrection Sunday because while we can't prove the resurrection, I think Lee Strobel actually did a pretty good job. The resurrection of Jesus Christ does prove the biblical teaching of at least four resurrections. And I just, I just read them for you. The first we find in verse 24. Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life. He shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. The first resurrection is what we call the resurrection unto everlasting life. Now, Jesus came to save sinners. That's what the Bible says. Sinners are lost. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. And here in verse 24, Jesus clearly says that he's the difference maker. His words. He who hears the words and believes in God, the Father who sent his Son, to pay the penalty for our sin by his death on the cross, passes from judgment to life. The sins are forgiven. So this is the first resurrection we experience. Some people identify this resurrection to be symbolic, but listen, this, this resurrection is anything but symbolic. Jesus is speaking of a literal transformation. Our dead spirit is transformed. We are made alive. We are resurrected internally. We're quickened. Quickened is an old English word. It means to come alive. It's what happens when we become born again, born of the Spirit. Our sins are forgiven. We don't come into judgment. We pass directly from judgment into life. You can say amen, amen. right? This is Resurrection Sunday. You can say hallelujah. hallelujah. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's go on to the second. Remember I said there's four resurrections that are talked about in these verses by Jesus. The second resurrection is the resurrection of those who have already died. And it's in verse 25. Verse 25 says, Most assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, the hour is coming, and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. You know, like the previous verse, some people look at this as talking about people who have this spiritual resu uh, resurrection. But I think specifically Jesus is talking about something beyond that. And I'm going to just bring to mind all of those dead Jews. All of the righteous Jews, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. What about Ezekiel and Isaiah and Jacob and Moses and the prophets? What about David, a man after God's own heart? What about Solomon? All of the faithful Jews. Yes, all of these would also hear the voice of the Son of God. Now, if these faithful Jews had kept the law even perfectly, it still would have been inadequate. Galatians chapter 3 says it's evident that no one is justified before God by the law, but the righteous actually live by faith. So these people, even if they had followed the law completely, they still would have been inadequate. They still wouldn't have been able to be in heaven. You know, Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane on Good Friday, he prayed to the garden. He said, Father, take this cup from me. 
If there's any other way, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. And Jesus ended up going to the cross because there was no other way that we could be saved except through Jesus' death on the cross. His death and resurrection opened the doors of heaven, including opening the doors for these Old Testament Jews. They, like us, pass from judgment and ultimately will be resurrected when it's their turn. Now, we don't, have to, we don't have time today to go into all the turns of the resurrections. The Bible is pretty clear on it, but still lacks some specificity. However, Jesus said when he was being challenged by the Pharisees, he said, your father, they said, uh, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. I believe that's what Jesus is referring to in verse 25 when he says, the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Now let's go on to three and four. We said there's four resurrections. The last two are together because they're in verse 28 and 29. They're the resurrection of the just and the resurrection of the unjust. Verses 28 and 29 says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. You know, the scripture by Jesus about the resurrection unto life is also explained in 1 Thessalonians chapter 14. Jesus is talking about when those who are in the graves will hear his voice. Now, again, it comes in two stages because there's two different groups of people. There are the righteous, those who have done good, those who know who Jesus is, and they are the unrighteous, the people that have done evil and have no intention in, in, in visiting the churches on Easter Sunday. The first can happen actually at any time. It's called the blessed hope in Scripture. And this is what Jesus says. It says, uh, this is what Paul says about Jesus. He says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of call, call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then after that, we who are alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Now, that's a direct quote from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 18. And again, this is called the blessed hope. Well, why is it called the blessed hope? I'm glad you asked the question. It's very, very next verse. It says, therefore, encourage each other. You see, the Bible says we are to encourage each other with the hope that Jesus Christ will come that the dead in Christ will rise, and then we which are alive will be caught up together with Jesus. That's our blessed hope. And we encourage each other with, uh, with, that, with that hope, that hope because of the resurrection of the dead. Now, as I said, there are two groups of people. There are the good and the bad, the righteous and the unrighteous. The final resurrection is for the unjust. There you go. The resurrection of the unjust. Again, it's the same verse. And at this resurrection is the resurrection that takes them to the great white throne judgment. The timing of that, we know from the Bible, is at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ. At that time, just before the new heaven and the new earth, the dead will be judged at the great white throne. This is what the resurrection of Jesus is all about. Christ rose from the dead in fulfillment of the scriptures and to be the first fruit unto God to all those that are like Jesus will rise from the dead. My friends, this is good news. This is what the resurrection of Jesus Christ points to. It isn't just that Jesus comes out of, the, out of the tomb and the women go to the tomb and they don't see anybody in the tomb. It's our hope 
our hope as well in the resurrection. We said before in our song that Jesus is the Lord of life. He is the Lord of years. Dee and Danielle, why don't you come on up? We're going to sing that song again. Just to close our resurrection service, we're going to be singing, Crown Him with Many You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.